The following audio is from The Springs Church. More information about The Springs Church is available at thesprings.cc. Okay. Am I clicked? Pack is clicked. Good morning! <laughs> yeah, I've been in technology 25 years, and I can't figure that one out. Okay. Um, but I wanted to say good morning to those uh, who have... Stay. Those who have shown up, we're so grateful that you are here. For visitors, whether you are online or whether you are not, and for those of our members that are part of our extended campus, evidently this is the new vernacular we're going with for a remote side. So for those in our extended campus, uh, we are so grateful. And hopefully you see that we try to make sure we're including people every week from our, our extended campus so that you can get to see people and enjoy, because sometimes we can forget about them. Uh, maybe last week you heard that we had an outdoor gathering last week on Sunday night on 7 o'clock. It was actually in the shade here of the parking lot. It was, it was gorgeous. I did not sweat during the entire thing, but it was gorgeous. We had about 30 to 40 people. Preacher, preacher count was about 60, right, Phil? Okay. Um, that came out, and it was so neat to see people that we hadn't seen in a while that could feel safe in that environment. So we're grateful for that. In that spirit, we want to include somebody else that we haven't seen in a while. It's, I want you to get, get a chance to see them. Um, Grace, you have that phone call queued up? This is... Hey! Hey! Can, can you, you hear, hear us? us? Yes, we can hear you just fine. Awesome. Hi, everyone from the Giddens. Max is asleep, but he says hi, too. Well, hey, Giddens. Uh, everyone wave. If you would, wave to him. Let him know. Uh, we, are you guys doing all right? Definitely looking forward to the day when this is over, though. We miss seeing you all. Well, we wanted to let everyone see you and tell you we cannot wait to see you guys again soon. It was great seeing y'all. Bye, bye spring. spring. Say bye. Bye. <laughs> Goodbye. Yes, that was not live. It was queued up a little bit better in my head. Um, <laughs> it kind of worked, right? It's nice to see people that we haven't seen in a while. One last update is on giving. Um, through June, we stayed right on budget. Thank you so much for being, uh, for being faithful and for being generous. That's nice. Uh, that is part of what the church is called to do. In July, we had a bit of a drop, which is not unusual for kind of a summer and people moving out. But we'll kind of let you keep, uh, keep you up to date on that one as we move forward. Let's pray, and then we'll get going. God, we are so thankful that you brought us here today. We're so grateful that we are together, whether that's virtually or whether that's physically, because we know that in you we are unified. Help us to seek that at all times, even when the world tells us that we are not. And at this time, God, I pray for uh, the gift of preaching, that you will work through my incompetence, since you know the bounds of what I can do. Uh, may your will, may your words, and may your way always be at the front. In the name of Jesus, amen. All right, so it was 10th grade. There are, there are stories that you really hate telling about yourself. I'll make it quick. This is 10th grade. Um, I was in Mr. Aiken's biology class. And Mr. Aikens was an interesting fella, to say the least, and liked to have lots of strange things out. But his favorite thing was a fish named Oscar. And yes, Ox Oscar was a cichlid. He was a large fish, large, ugly fish. But he, Mr. Aikens, liked to claim that Oscar was about one of the toughest fish that he had ever seen. Well, being 16, I knew a lot. 
Side note, do you notice at your age you feel like you really know it and then 10 years from now you're going to be like, man, I really didn't know it. It doesn't matter what the age. So I assume it's 60, right? I'm going to feel like at 50 I didn't know what I was doing. Side note, okay. So anyway, so I come up to Mr. Aikens and I say, I'd like to challenge your fish. So I had just learned about uh, fish and I, uh, and I uh, wanted to bring this fish to class and let the fish fight, you know, like Godzilla, let them fight. So he, uh, I said, well, can I bring it? He goes, sure. So that lunch I went and got went and bought my fish. Now the ace I had up my sleeve was what I was told was a Japanese fighting fish. You might know it as a beta. So I went and bought this. My friend Dan and I went and bought a, a beta. We split it and we brought it back. We brought it to class and so proudly just handed it to him and said, okay. I don't know what I was expecting. Maybe some kind of ninja thing going on or whatnot. Yeah. So, uh, and it's at the moment when, when, when he says, okay, everyone come on up and let's gather around to watch this display because Paul's brought a fighting fish. I'm not exactly sure when it occurred to me, but it was somewhere in the embarrassment of 30 classmates around this aquarium that the size difference was a little more than I had imagined. I'm talking like Oscar, ugly as all get out, probably not very bright, but the dude is about 10 times bigger than my little fighting fish, and I'm really hoping he does know some kind of karate. Well, Mr. Aikens opened the bag, dropped it in, and I swear at that moment, I saw Oscar roll his eyes, like, oh, seriously, and then 1.5 seconds later, swallowed my fish. You know, it's a hard thing when you come to realize that a problem that you have, you are ill-equipped to handle it, right? I mean, we live in this broken, chaotic, increasingly relativistic world where we're told that we are just matter. And it seems that little matters, and it might always win, and that we end up in these situations where we're just not able. We just don't have what it takes to make it through. So today we're going to be looking at scripture. This is out of Matthew 14. And let me set this up real quick. Jesus has just had a couple of disappointments. Number one is he went to his own hometown. And if you've ever done that years later, right, it's, it's, you realize it's not the same because you've changed and because they've changed. But he comes to his own hometown and, it's, and people are like, wait a minute, you're Joseph's son. I mean, they hear all these stories, but you're just Joseph's son. And, and in fact, it says, it's strange, says he did very few miracles because of their lack of faith. The way the NIV actually used to say that was he could do no miracles because of their lack of faith, which I always thought was very interesting. So there's a disappointment with that. Then he sends off the, the 12 apostles to the neighboring areas so they could teach and then as they all come back together, something, uh, some news comes in, which is just devastating. And that is John the Baptist has died. And I'm not, I'm not talking the kind of died like he you know, fell off an ox you know, in an accident or passed away in a sleep. But we're talking that he, he was actually beheaded as part of a birthday celebration and how much that had to hurt him at that time and how much that had to change the way these guys thought about what they were doing. But let's go into this, if you would. So that's where we're starting. That's where our story starts. Go ahead, Grace, if you'd pull that up. 
And let's, uh, let's stand for this as, as we, if you can, if, stand for as we're reading God's word. I love that we do that because you know when it comes down to it, I, I, I watch Liam Neeson and I watch Bruce Willis. You totally can tell what movies I watch. And, and I can sit and watch them through entertainment, but I want Jesus to mean more. So let's, as we'll, let's read through this together. It says, when Jesus heard what had happened, he withdrew by boat privately to a solitary place. Hearing of this, the crowds followed him on foot from the towns. When Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them and he healed their sick. As evening approached, the disciples came to him and said, this is a remote place and it's already getting late. Send the crowds away so they can go to the villages and buy themselves some food. Jesus replied, we have here only five loaves of bread and two fish. Oh, hold it, I have a totally thing missing here. Jesus replied, they don't need to go away. You give them something to eat. We have here only five loaves of bread and two fish, they answered. Bring them here to me, he said. And he directed the people to sit down on the grass, taking the five loaves and the two fish, and looking up to heaven, he gave thanks and broke the loaves. Then he gave them to the disciples, and the disciples gave them to the people. They all ate and were satisfied, and the disciples picked up 12 basketfuls of broken pieces that were left over. The number of those who ate was about 5,000 men, besides women and children. The word of the Lord. Y'all be seated. All right, so not every story gets this kind of prop, right? But this story is told in all four Gospels. There's something very significant about this that they're wanting to share. And I love especially the way John tells the story because when John's going to tell this, he's going to actually, everyone gives their own detail, but John's going to give a little more detail on who said what in the very beginning when he has a discussion with Philip. So, and this is also talking about a miracle. So the miracles are typically done for two reasons. One is that it is providing proof uh, that Jesus is God's son. The other one is to show that his kingdom uh, was action springing up from belief. There was something to be done and he did something, which is gonna be important as we get into this. So let's, in verse 13, he actually begins this, with our, his kingdom begins with compassion. And I love that Malia brought that up earlier when she's talking about the other and the compassion for the other. Because Jesus sees them, and I like the way Mark said that he was like, he saw them and it was like a sheep without a shepherd. He, f- he just felt compassion for them. And notice what he doesn't do, that he, he really could have done, right? He could have told them about, you know, uh, you know when they said, well, these people are gonna get hungry, you know, he'd, you know, he's seen the Snickers commercial. He knows what happens when you get hangry. Um, and he didn't call the ambulance, right? So, but he also could have said, guys, let me tell you what real hunger is. 40 days, temptation, right? Fasting, that was hunger. But he doesn't expect them to come to his place. He comes to theirs. I love that. So it begins with compassion and he sees them as sheep without a shepherd. You know, what's interesting is um, the effect that John the Baptist's death has probably had on the apostles at this point, if you think about it. Because up to this point, this has been exciting, right? People are coming around, miracles are happening, and this is fantastic. But now they see beyond the popularity that there's also a price. And they see that John the Baptist, who spoke up, it didn't go well for him. So they, they began to see that. And Jesus is probably starting to feel some of this too, right? 
Anybody, if you've seen Hamilton, you know, they sing a song in there I, I, that I think is, is actually great. He called, uh, you know, why do you write like you're running out of time? Just feeling the weight of time is slipping and I have so much to do. He has compassion on, on his flock. In verse 15, he says it would be, and the apostles say, look, it would be so much easier if we just sent the people away. And it's kind of a cry. I get it because they have been working crowd control all day. First of all, they were out in the villages, whatnot, they were preaching, and then they come back, and it is so busy that they have to, you know, they, they're trying to get away and be by themselves to mourn this, and they don't get a chance to mourn. Because Jesus is like, I gotta, I gotta make hay while the sun's shining, right? I'm here, I've got to do something. So he's up teaching, and they're acting probably as crowd control during this time, and they're exhausted. So you can imagine from the sadness into the exhaustion, they're just like, please send them away and I can catch a little bit of sleep. It's not our problem. And I love Jesus' response in this because he said, you know, they don't need to go away. Now, if you're an apostle and you heard that, what just happened to you when you are exhausted? You're probably a little frustrated by this point, like seriously. You know, when uh, John, when he talks to John in, in, uh, or in John 6, when John brings that up, Philip, his conversation with Philip sounds like this. You know, he says, Hey, Philip, there's a lot of people here. You, can we feed them? And Philip must be the project manager of the group because Philip starts counting the cost. He's like, well, hold on. If we're going to feed this many people, and he starts looking around, okay, well, we got about this many people. It's going to take this. And he starts just breaking it all down to say, look, if we had a year's wages, you know, everybody's just going to get a bite. And I love he, he, that he's doing that because what he's doing is talking to the guy that probably has the plan and he's challenging the plan. Because he, it says he had in mind what he, he did that on purpose, he had that in mind, uh, that what he wanted to do. Let me ask you an interesting question because I believe that life is all about finding better questions, right? Because I think intelligent people always ask better questions. I'm trying to be better about it, so I'm asking more questions. Um, not intelligent yet. So, what expression do you see on Jesus' face at certain moments? Right? When you're reading scripture, I always hear the guy um, on the tapes, we had cassette tapes, and there was the really cool, uh, you know, Victor kind of accent, you know, who was, you know, reading, reading scripture, and I loved that, that accent. But it was always so dry. And I kind of read scripture once in a while, and the temptation is to read it with that really dry accent. And I think there's more to it. I think that something else is going on. So when I see this moment, I see Jesus looking at them and saying, you don't need to go away. And then I see that little mischievous grin kind of coming on. You feed him. Because he knows what's about to happen. He knows that's going to be frustrating because you know what? Growth is always frustrating. Growth always pushes us to a moment where we're really not ready, right? It wouldn't be growth if you were ready for it, but we're not ready for it. And the apostles aren't. And they're like, oh. Jesus, not another teachable moment. So it sounds like my kids, right? And they're like, not another teachable moment. You know, it, yes, it is time for another teachable moment. And they come back, and so this is Andrew who comes in. And Andrew, his comment, now he says, Andrew goes out, and this is in John. Andrew goes out and finds this kid and goes, okay, I got a kid here. I've basically got enough for about 10 filet fish sandwiches if we kind of just, you know, if the fish are big enough. I really, I don't know about the fish. And, uh, that's interesting, because how do you read that? What voice do you hear? Because part of me wants to hear sarcasm, right? Like, really? Okay, well, yeah, like that can do anything. 
But understand that when Jesus went to his own hometown, it said he could do nothing because of their lack, or it says he did little because of their lack of faith. Jesus is about to do something, which means that their faith is there, right? So I think really what Andrew is saying when he does this, I think he's saying, God, here's a start. What can you do with this? Something needed to be done. Boy, they just felt completely incapable of being able to handle that. And have you ever felt that? Have you ever got up to the problem that showed up in your life and you just felt completely incompetent? I guarantee you have, right? I guarantee if you're running a business right now, <laughs> this, is, <laughs> this is ridiculous. Trying to make it, especially a travel agency, trying to make a manufacturing company, a computer company, I, I can see those... But if maybe if you're, you know, kids and you're, and the kids are there with you all the time and you're looking at school now realizing they might be at home with you and thinking, <laughs> how do we make it through this? Or maybe it's that you can't see the rest of your family. It's just one of those times when you, you are celebrating birthdays on your own and it's just difficult. How do you handle that when, it's, when you feel completely overwhelmed and outnumbered like my little Japanese fighting fish? You know, one time um, when Joel was younger, Joel and Paul were younger, uh, I took him outside. It was winter, and the, and the winter had just totally messed up all my trees in the backyard, and there were sticks everywhere. And I was like, Ugh, okay, guys, so you're going to come out, and this is one of those moments. I'm going to come out and get you to work. So I draw an imaginary line halfway through the yard, and I put two trash cans, one facing this way, one facing that way. It's the beauty of twins. said, Paul, that way, go. And Paul was of general pleaser, so he just reaches down, oh, okay, picks him up, throws him. Joel turns around and looks, and Joel is a big picture person. And he looked at the sticks, and his mind went, <laughs> and he just stood there. It was, it was the strangest thing, just an inability. So all we had to do was, I, I just taught him, I just, okay, buddy, we're just gonna walk over to the fence. We're gonna get right up against the fence. This is the edge of it. And then we're just gonna take three steps back. Can you do that much? Okay, and we picked up that much and then we took another couple steps back. Can you do that much? And he learned how to eat the elephant. But I get it because I'm going through that so many ways in my own life of just trying to realize that you are in a problem that is just overpowering and God, why would you put me in this? Because I can't do it on my own. What do you do in a moment like that? I love Jesus' answer. Four, uh, this is five beautiful words. Bring them here to me. Somehow Jesus was going to take this inability and he was going to do what he always does. This is brilliant. He's going to turn it upside down. So uh, I'm CEO for a manufacturing company that was, I mean, just in a fatal fall financially when I got there. And the second year, I remember specifically one day, I am driving to work and I am feeling this immense pressure that I have got to be smarter, I have got to be better, I've got to figure this out. What's going on? I'm driving to work, this is embarrassing. Okay, so I'm listening to Rachel Platten's fight song. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a generally optimistic guy and I am trying to get some positivity in that tank and I'm singing at the top of my lungs this is my fight song you know you know you know prove them I'm right you know that so I'm singing that and I, and I actually I've got a couple of tears running down my cheek because it just 
oh, just could not handle it. And I can tell you the exact stop sign I got to, the exact stop sign I got to where I heard it. Anyway, because I'm just praying, I'm singing this, and, and I heard God say something that was so amazing. He said, Paul, you're in my story, but it's not about you. It never was. Can I tell you at that moment, that was the most freeing thing I had heard. Because it's like in, the, in that moment, I went and met and I was able to turn around and I was able to look at my past and see that God was there and he was there and he was there and he was there and he was there. And then I realized that the God to him yesterday, today, tomorrow, it's all the same, right? So if he's there, then I could turn around and look at my future and say, well, then he's gonna be here and he's gonna be there and he's gonna be there. Do you see how that's freeing to realize that you're not the center of the universe, that it is not all about you? It was empowering and it was freeing and the result is that all the people ate and were satisfied. All right, so let's uh, apply this. So um, let's talk about faith in action matters. I love this because when it comes down to it, it's, this is about what his kingdom is. He's gonna talk later when he, when he refers to the story and his apostles, he's like, don't you get it? So he's talking about the teachings of the Pharisees and, and the teachers of the law, where they're missing it because they keep creating rules to keep from helping. And he goes, and he's saying, oh, we're here. You can do something. And they're like, Jesus, yeah, but I just don't have much to work with. But the point is, faith, as, as James will tell us later, faith by itself. He'll say, remember, if you see a brother and a sister, right, who is without clothes and daily bread, and you say to them, go and be well fed, and do nothing about it, he'll say, faith without works is dead. Faith without, if it's not accompanied by action, is dead. I love the way that Teddy Roosevelt says this. Um, he has just some great quotes. This one's actually one of my personal mantras. Oh, go back. do what you can with what you have where you are. That's beautiful because God has given you this moment. This moment is something that you can work with. Don't, don't look back on the past. That, that doesn't help anything. Don't, if the future can be out there, but this moment, wherever you are in this moment, is something that you have an opportunity to do something with right now. Um, why do we not do this? A lot of times it's because we're scared of the critics that are going to happen. We're scared of how, you know, other people are going to view what we're talking about. So the next quote, I, this is, I mean, definitely one of my favorite quotes of all time. He says, uh, coincidentally the same person, it is not the critic who counts, not the man who points out how the strong man stumbles or where the doer of deeds could have done them better. The credit belongs to the man who is actually in the arena whose face is marred by dust and sweat and blood, who strives valiantly, who errs but comes up and comes up short again and again because there is no effort without error and shortcoming, but who does actually strive to do the deeds, who knows great enthusiasms, the great devotions, who spends himself in a worthy cause, who with the best knows in the end the triumph of high achievement and who at the worst, if he fails, at least fails while daring greatly, so that his place shall never be with those cold and timid souls who neither know victory nor defeat. Secondly, it's, it's that my strength doesn't matter. It's his strength that matters. And listen to the way, this is the way Paul says this. 
three times, Second Corinthians, three times I pleaded with the Lord to take away from me, talking about something that's getting in the way. It's just, God, I can't handle this. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. <laughs> Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses, so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight, delight in weaknesses and insults and hardships and persecution and difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Do you see how the kingdom is completely upside down? And it's interesting, a lot of times when we try to bring people into ministry, we always say, what are your strengths, right? Interesting, because in this upside down kingdom, God says, you know what, I'll take your weaknesses and I can do something, something amazing with that. And honestly, I am so much less tempted to claim that it was me that did it when I realized the complete incompetence I had to, to do it in the first place. And lastly, God's kingdom matters. Bring what you have to Jesus. He continues to say that. Are you really struggling? Bring that to me. Are you trying to make something happen and it's just outside of your, your ability? Bring what you have to me because it isn't about you in this first place. That is an empowering thought. Bring what you have, acting in faith, the King Jesus, because in his, the King Jesus will make it happen. Because in his kingdom, our little matters. Let's stand and sing.